Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Something I'm sure many of you as listeners of RNZ will have observed is the unique sound of guests' voices on the phone line. We just had our quizzes on air over the phone, of course, and you can hear their voices and you can make out what they are saying. But it's not as crisp as it is when you have someone in the studio or even if you have them over a Zoom line, provided that the Zoom line is a nice connection. And that sound of guests on the phone hasn't really changed that much for quite some time. And so this is exactly what our listener Ella in Queenstown wanted to know about. She sent in a shower thought. Uh, why, it read, with all of the progress of modern technology, why do phone lines still sound so crackly? Now, of course, we've corrected that adjective. It's no longer crackly. It's now tinny. Um, and, of course, you can also send in your ponderous shower thoughts and be shamed out by grammatical listeners. Nights at rnz.co.nz is the... Email address 2101 is the text number. But to answer Alice, joining us on the phone now is uh, Ulrich Spiedl. Uh, Ulrich is a senior lecturer in computer science from the University of Auckland. And kia ora to you, Ulrich. Uh, kia ora, Emil. Um, yeah, it's Ulrich Spiedl, actually. Um, oh, apologies. But, uh, yes, the rest of it's <laughs> quite right. Um, yes, good evening. It's lovely to have you here. And um, I can hear you loud and clear, Ulrich, so we are... Um, Thankfully, the phone appears to be functioning correctly. So let's answer Ella's question first of all. Why do phone lines still have this uh, tinny sound to them? That's a really, really good question. And uh, the answer is... um not so much that technology isn't able to do any better. I mean, you know, as you've pointed out, the Zoom and sort of various other technologies like, you know, for example, Skype or, uh, you know, WhatsApp or FaceTime, we're able to do uh, much better. And, of course, we've got all of those on our phones these days. Um, but um, it's really boiling down to two things. And one thing is that uh, historically we've been uh, having to be very, very frugal with uh, resources, in particular things like power, um, you know, for example, if you're running around with your mobile phone, obviously you don't want the battery to drain uh, all that quickly. And so you're trying to transmit as little as possible. And similarly, we we'll want to be really, really careful with things like radio spectrum, which our mobile phones use in order to communicate with their base stations. And so basically what's happening is that uh, when the microphones in our phones pick up uh, our voice, um, what happens is um, the uh, uh, phone then kind of looks it up in a kind of a code book to find a very, very similar um, uh, sounding snippet. And those snippets are only a few milliseconds long, typically. And um, they come in that code book, and basically each of those snippets has a sort of number, you know, sort of right next to it. And it's that number that the phone actually then sends to the receiving um, and to the receiving phone or the re- you know, through receiving exchange that sort of translates it back into um, an analog uh, uh, voltage that the, the phone then replies. And... Um, <clears throat> 
So, um, uh, and therein lies the problem. So if we've got a small code book where we've got relatively few snippets to choose from, then we can encode that with relatively small numbers. And so those numbers are very, you know, uh, you know, easily transmitted. They've only got a few digits, so to speak. Um, on the other hand, if I want to have a high-quality um, type voice, I need a large code book. And for that large code book, I need basically a very large um, uh, range of index numbers to index uh, those um, those snippets. And then I can usually find a very, very close, very similar snippet to, to the one that I, I've just sort of recorded off my own voice by the phone, so, so mm. to speak. And so those large numbers, obviously, they take a little bit more time to transmit. So they take a bit more transmit power away from your phone's battery and uh, or um, take a little bit more bandwidth uh, on your phone. So you're kind of squeezing somebody else out is trying to make a phone call at the same time. This is the sort of simplified answer. And uh, uh, so for that reason, in the past, people have sort of tried to standardize it to the point where, uh, uh, you know, phone communication, especially when you went sort of, you know, through, you know, the old long distance lines yeah. or uh, through satellite communication and this sort of stuff, um, you know, to ships, uh, ships at sea, to basically go to, uh, down to the minimum quality that was required to be understood over the phone line. And uh, a lot of that standardization has sort of survived the times. And uh, so these days, even though we could be doing a lot better in a lot of circumstances, you know, we'd have a lot more bandwidth available. I mean, you know, I might be speaking to you now just as easily, you know, via Skype or via Zoom or yeah. something like this rather than just via the phone that you've called me on. And um, that makes life a lot easier um, you know, these days if we know that that technology is available to us. But when we go back to the phone, we kind of go back to the lowest uh, common denominator. <laughs> could we um, could we bring phone infrastructure up to the point where the overall quality of, of phone connections was, was better, or would that just be prohibitively expensive? Um, it's not prohibitively expensive in my, I mean, this is in fact part of the sort of normal standardization process that goes on over time. And if you sort of go back, you know, like 20, 30, 40, 50 years, um, and you're looking at, for example, where the mobile phone uh, you know, quality, uh, you know, was at the time and what you're getting over your mobile phone these days. Um, I mean, you can hear me loud and clear. You could have tried this, you know, like 40 years ago with the really, really old analog, uh, you know, car telephones, and you would have found that, uh, uh, you know, the sound that you're getting now is much, much better. But at the same time, um, you know, this is an ongoing process, and a lot of those uh, old pressures are still there, for example, when they're trying to interface to foreign telephone systems, to other types of telephone systems. Um, and, um, you know, you have to upgrade your studio technology, for example, to bring, um, uh, you know, to bring, uh, you know, that up to standard um, uh, with uh, the various, um, you know, digital, you know, telephone standards and everything. And, you know, that's something that moves very, very slowly over time because so many people have telephones and uh, uh, exchanging everybody's telephone is uh, um, uh, very easy when you're having mobile phones and you buy a new one every year or two. But um, if you're... Uh, in a, in a, a sort of uh, <laughs> you know place where you're still using your wire phone from the 1950s um, and you're not going to change that quickly, then of course you know you need to service those people too, and this is why those standards tend to be quite conservative. Uh, Ulrich, um, th there is a, a a type of phone that's used in, in, in broadcasting, um, which is called an ISDN, an Integrated Services Digital Network yep, phone, yep. and and big public broadcasters have. Um, We'll we almost always have one of these, and it enables a crystal clear um, line 
to be to be established with with a place on the other side of the world. So we could talk to somebody at the BBC um, headquarters yes, in yes, London, yes, yes, and it yes. would sound like they were standing right next to us. Yes, in fact, in fact, I have uh, I'm, I'm probably more familiar with ISDN phones than you think, because um, uh, well, in New Zealand they were quite uncommon, but yeah. um, overseas, I mean, I'm German, and um, uh, literally uh, when I was about 18, my parents got an ISDN phone at home, and that was just the standard issue at the time. Really? Um, that if you had a new phone line uh, installed, that's what you'd get, or that's what you would typically buy, and it allowed you to have multiple phones in the house and everything. And everything. But that said, where the ISDN then interfaces to the old telephone network, it just goes back to the old uh, quality levels. But right. um, yes, absolutely, if you talk digital to digital, then you can. And I mean, even ISDN is a technology that's now, oh gosh. It's pretty um, old now, eh? Yeah. Dates me, it's probably about you know, 45 years old, 50 yeah. years old almost in its genesis, and um, we can do much, much better than just ISDN these days. <laughs> so, Ulrich, will we ever get to a point where plain old phone calling between people is crystal clear, or is it always just going to be a little rough for efficiency's sake? I think what we're probably going to be seeing is a move towards where two endpoints or two phones can basically establish a better uh, standard, that they will actually go up to a better standard. But there are things around uh, the Internet, for example. The Internet, we cannot guarantee timely delivery of data. This is a really, really big problem on the Internet when there's a a traffic jam somewhere and the little packets of data in the Internet queue up, um, then things just get delayed. And again, that sort of creates this kind of downward pressure towards when you're having sort of mission critical data like you know phone um, you know phone voice snippets for example uh, to keep these sort of as small as possible because that increases that chance of getting through in time um, but at the same time um, uh, you know I think that you know as technology improves um, we will be seeing you know better ways of doing this and we'll be seeing the phones being a bit more intelligent sort of figuring out that hey you know I can actually transmit at a faster rate here and at a higher quality. And to an extent, it's already happening. Um, so, I mean, sometimes you get a really, really grotty connection. Sometimes you get a slightly better one. <laughs> and that's already that sort of thing, uh, you know, at play. Um, and I think there's, there's probably going to be um, uh, a lot more movement in, into the better quality, uh, uh, you know, corner over the next sort of decade or so. Um, but uh, will we ever get away <laughs> uh, from it completely? Um, I don't know. It's, it could be decades away. Um, simply because of the way that things work. And on uh, on ISDN, as you mentioned, you get that crystal clear quality because you use dedicated circuits and um, you basically uh, are able to get things um, that are time critical to the other end in a fairly you know straightforward and fairly time critical um, uh, fashion. But... Um, when you're doing this via the sort of generally, uh, you know, internet uh, protocol operated internet, um, it's what they call best effort. And uh, at that point, it gets very, very difficult to get things through um, mm-hmm. at time, especially over long distances. And um, uh, your uh, um, your friends from the BBC World Service Relay here in Auckland, um, um, they certainly uh, uh, found that out the hard way that mm-hmm. um, they had trouble getting uh, getting audio through from um, uh, from London via a normal internet connection, and that's the sort of thing that you know by and large um, you know people find really really difficult. 
uh, with audio and, you know, your listeners have maybe, you know, strayed away from R&Z and sort of listened to an internet radio station from time to time, especially if it's a far away one, you'll also probably be used to the uh, effect of buffering where, you know, you mightn't hear anything for a few seconds mm-hmm. until... Um, the uh, delayed traffic then turns up again and the program resumes, so to speak. I did actually, and, I did yeah. I did just want to ask you very quickly at the end um, about, I mean, and this is a pivot probably to a different type of technology, but we have quite a few um, uh, guests who come on regularly and who use Zoom lines because the, the sound is better and, and so on and so forth. But a couple of them always have reasonably lengthy delays, you know, two or three seconds in between um, saying something and then it, it transmitting across. What affects that? Um, what affects it is mostly two effects. So the, so the one is distance. Um, so if you've got guests that are sitting overseas, especially if they're sort of calling in from Europe or from Asia, um, you know, less so uh, uh, the United States, and there's often a very long delay involved. So this could be, you know, whatever, 100, 200, 300 milliseconds, depending on um, how bad uh, uh, the routing is. And the other thing that often happens is um, that uh, what they're saying, uh, basically the little data packets that travel from their side to your side, um, that they get stuck in so-called router queues. And uh, uh, we, uh, uh, you know, have had sort of a couple of decades of a bit of a debate going uh, in the networking community. And so uh, there were people who basically said, hey, you know, we should really be having a large uh, uh, a large amount of uh, buffer memory at those routers to make sure that uh, when uh, those packets would arrive, they would always find a place to be stored. Uh, but then people found out that this actually in- encourages, um, it's a bit like building motorways, it encourages more cars. Mm-hmm. And so you actually get more traffic jams. And uh, so as a result of that, um, you often can get as much, um, if not, you know, in some cases, even more um, time, uh, you know, for traffic actually spent way Waiting in those queues, um, then it actually spends travelling uh, on the international cables, or you know, via you know, occasionally satellite links as well. Gee, for oh, the infrastructure that makes the world go around, it's fascinating stuff. Ulrich Speidel, thank you so much for coming on and explaining that to us this evening. Thanks for having me. That is Ulrich Speidel, and Ulrich is a senior lecturer in computer science at the University of Auckland. Where's that dust coming from? Still finding debris after vacuuming? Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has 8,000 PA of powerful suction to remove debris deep in carpets. And it's totally hands-free. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's E-U-F-Y dot And discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799.